0: Hello, 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 friends, and welcome to the She Finds Joy podcast, where we reclaim the super shiny lights that burn in each of us. I'm Kim Strobel, your truth-telling, real-talk happiness coach who believes in the power of showing up as our flossom selves, even and especially, my friends, when it comes to working through our hard stuff. After all, when we're playing in our arenas of bigness, life gets better as we get bolder. So buckle up for the no BS, zero fluff advice that gives you the small steps for big joy. One of the best things about She Finds Joy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other women who are creating more joy in their lives just like you. You can find us at kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy all right let's dive in to today's episode here we go Well, I am super excited for today's show, which features my friend, colleague, mentor, Radia Rhodes. And let me just tell you a little bit about Radia. She is a visionary, an entrepreneur, designer, engineer, and coach. And after two decades of experience leading small businesses and Fortune 100 companies in the beauty and information technology industries, Radaya became known for her strategic insights impeccable design aesthetic, and natural ability to connect, lead, and get results. She has led and coached many executives and organizations to deliver exceptional business results and launched a strong portfolio of multi-million dollar products and services around the globe. Most recently, Radaya authored the book, Being is the New Doing, a divine guide to owning your energy, time, and peace of mind. Don't we all need that? Uh, she has also launched a collection of brands and products designed to transform and expand your intention and well being. As an entrepreneur, corporate leader, wife, and mama to two amazing and active children, Radaya knows what it takes to be extraordinary in life and leadership. She trains clients on how to tap into and leverage their intention as the fuel and fire to create any desired outcome with ease and authenticity. And I will just tell you all, I am so thrilled and thankful to be able to have you. Welcome, Radaya. I can't wait to talk about all of these words because these are some of the words that are popping in my life right now.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you Love you much, so this is gonna be fun. Yeah,
0: we actually met in a business mastermind. This is how we crossed paths, um, you and I and several others. And of course, I believe all of that was divinely led. You're one of those people that when I spend time with you, I think I always walk away with two things from you. And one is that you somehow always create, I, I, th- I call it space, space. You create space between like thought and emotion. You're always able to do that. And I'm a pretty emotionally charged person. Um, and I see, I have extreme reactions to things sometimes. And so whenever we're navigating a conversation or even something difficult, there's a presence about you that holds that space for yourself and for others. And I always feel that energy come through Um, so that's one of the things I'm super attracted to you about. And then the other is, I think that you're one of those women that raised the ceiling for me on what is possible for our lives. That's awesome. So I'm
1: always so grateful to hear, you know, what someone, like what impression do I leave with anybody? So this whole thought about like creating space between thought and emotion, that is brilliant. I've never heard it. You know, I've heard you make people feel safe, right? You make me feel really safe. There's, you're, you're measured. There's such a wisdom there. Um, but what you said, that to me is where the spirit lies. And that is when I can elevate to my highest intention. When I can separate myself from my thoughts and my emotions and what I do, my actions or how I define myself, my title, that's where the spirit is. And that's the place I want to act
0: from. Yeah, because we know that the thought creates the feeling and or the emotion, and then the feeling or the emotion creates the action. So I feel like this skill that you have where you intentionally create space between the two to get super clear really does help you take a different action maybe than what others might be, because Absolutely. you create that space. So we're going to talk about all that good stuff. I can't wait. Um, I tell people like, you know, this is my struggle. I'm sitting here holding your book right now. Um, and I was so privileged that you signed it and sent it to me, but I am someone who, and I'm, I'm going to, to back up in a minute, but like this whole idea of being Radia, this is hard for me. I am so focused on doing. So I can't wait to break into that in today's show. But also, you know, I am taking this class with Eckhart Tolle to try to be more present in my life. And of course, I'm three weeks behind in that. So, you know, I'm doing the class and I'm reading your book. And so I, I guess I need to give myself credit for that. But I'm, I'm making baby steps. Mm hmm. So, okay, but let me back up because when I was reading your book, I did not even make it to chapter one. I was reading the preface, which was really so interesting to me because it was about your childhood and how you grew up. And there was this layer that I just, I just would never have known that looking at the version of the woman that looks back at me today. And so take us back there a little bit and tell us like that journey for you that led you to where you are right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was definitely chaotic. I I attribute my childhood to the wild 70s, right? My parents were teenagers and adults, or, you know, young adults in the 70s, where, you know, there was a lot of things that we learned later were detrimental that seemed very recreational. And so there was, you know, a lot of neglect and um, substance abuse and all kinds of things happening. And I grew up in that. And I grew up a lot with my grandparents at the time as well, because again, my parents were really young and doing all sorts of crazy seventies things. But it was such an interesting, perfect storm to kind of forge me, you know, within. And that all of that craziness was going on, but then my grandparents had such a grounded, you know, uh, safe haven that they created for me. And I always say my grandparents, that was the, fa- the first place where I felt what it meant to be loved for no reason other than existing. Mm-hmm. There was nothing I had to do to be loved by them. I didn't have to get it right. I didn't have to behave. I didn't have to, you know, be extraordinary. Like I just showed up <laughs> and they were in love and that never left me. And then at the same time, my parents were never really together. And so I had my father, my mother, and my stepmother, you know, uh, who was dating my father by the time I was two years old. And those were three very different environments. And the range was from, you know, poverty, real poverty to luxury, real luxury.
0: Yeah. You talk about that in the book, right? So like your your mom lived in extreme poverty where... um she was working all these jobs and you and your siblings would maybe be even left alone at a very young age because she had to go out and do her job and to try to feed you but there were many days where you went hungry mm-hmm. you know and then and then you your dad you know you felt safe at at his parents house right yeah, yeah. but then your dad that this is one of the things being a stepmom myself i absolutely started to cry when you gave attribution to your Mm stepmom in this book and you acknowledge, like it makes me super emotional now, but like you really acknowledged the gifts that came with her. And I want to know a little bit about that. Yeah. It's, it was definitely that range. Like, you know,
1: like I said, my father brought my grandparents and that was a grounding love. My mother brought strength, like the ability to just persevere and to own your identity. And have compassion for yourself, you know, in the face of really difficult and trying circumstances. And my stepmother brought a level of exposure and possibility. And so no matter how dark it got in one of those places or how lonely I felt, I always had this idea of possibility because of what I'd been exposed to through my my stepmother's family. My grandfather, her father was in the military. My grandmother was from Germany. And so they were able to, he ascended to be a major in the army. And so, you know, they did very well with just managing their finances. So they had a beautiful home and, you know, we would eat on China. We would like, handcrafted China and crystal glasses and silver, you know, utensils. And I would eat, I would have no food one week. And then on the weekend, I'd be having escargot and Yorkshire pudding and, you know, grilled steaks and you know, all kinds of things. So it was such a contrast but it gave me the range of what was possible and no matter what the reality was and that has served me my whole life
0: yes and so okay so you you grow up in this um th- these conditions where you're just experiencing extreme conditions really on both ends mm-hmm. and then i mean like how are you the woman you are today like how what did you do how did you get to be this like author and this entrepreneur and this, this lady boss and this person who is full of like ambition and intention. And I think even one time you, you said like, sometimes people look at your family, you have two kids, you have this husband, like, like the, the Incredibles, like, how do they do it all? How do they do all of this? Like, I want to know, how did you get from where you were to where you are now? And I know this could be a really long story, but just give me the shorter version of, of it.
1: Yeah, it's, it is really that belief that there's always a way through and the willingness to just keep showing up. Because of that, whatever has come my way, I've been willing to take a step into it. Even, you know, as I think about my school years, I was always very smart in school. I did not have, you know, my parents didn't have the resources to, you know, say, oh, well, she's going to go to a private school or what have you. But I had enough of a gift and I was willing to show up with that gift and people would recognize, the teacher would say. You should be in this class. You should actually go to this school. You should be in this program. And I was always willing to go. A certain surrendering, a certain way that I'm just willing to see and be present to what's happening and take another step. And that has always taken me right to the next thing, to the next thing. And then when things have been difficult, my willingness to believe that there's always a way through has caused me to again to show up and take the next step. And so this is what has been created from that experience and from those kind of choices. But I can't say that it was this, I'm ambitious, deliberate, have these goals, charted this plan. That's not how it happened for me.
0: It was really a willingness to take the next best step. Yeah. and to get uncomfortable. Well, I know that one of the things that you write, and I'm actually going to read this from your book because I like highlighted, I had my purple pen out and I was like this, this, the struggle is real. Because like you followed, you know, you went to school, you went to college, you got your engineering degree, you worked in corporate America, you were extremely successful in corporate America. You marry this, the man of your dreams, you have two children, you live in the nice home, you have stability like you never had as a child. You have beautiful things around you and yet, yet you were not happy. And so I'm going to read this here. It says, how is it that you can make all the right choices, do all the right things to the best of your ability, keep it all together and still find yourself on the wrong side of your own life? The simple answer is you're doing too much. More specifically. You're doing too much without knowing who is doing all of the doing and why any of it matters. You're jumping through hoops for everything and everyone. You're the one who goes above and beyond to the extra mile while wondering where you fit in. Time feels rushed and you run on fumes saving everyone around you. But who is saving you? Life is still good. You feel grateful for your blessings and good fortune, but who is it all for? Where do you enter the equation of your life? And I think that this is the struggle of so many women, Radia. Like we've ticked all the boxes, we followed the path, and if we get real honest we are not happy in our life, and then we feel guilt, right? Like, you have two healthy children, you have a husband who loves you, you have a beautiful house, you have a great paycheck, and then there's Radiah who is like not happy. I want to know more about that.
1: Yeah, so it's in what I said doing too much. You know, how I got on that path, it's kind of the flip side, right, to this double edged sword of being willing to, to take the right, the best next step and to show up. And a lot of, you know, those sequential steps, they afforded me amazing results financially, you know, educationally, personally, because someone said, you'd be really good at this, because someone said, you should do this. And so what I was doing, even though I was taking those steps and I was reaping benefits, I was taking other people's steps. I was take, And so I got to a place where I had amassed a life that was the result of an equation put together by other people. And I had no idea who I was. What did I want? And what made it appealing to me in hindsight is the pain, you know, I went through that childhood and there were beautiful things, but there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of trauma and stability was my thing. I wanted, just wanted to feel stability. It wasn't until I was almost 30 that I had lived in a single dwelling more than two years in my entire life. So when I got married, my husband and I built this house and we've been here for 12 years. This is the first house that I've lived in for longer than two years. Yeah. So stability was a huge driver, but it caused me, it's kind of like when you put the why before the who. Yeah. I was driven by my why. I had a lot of whys. There's a lot of great whys, but I had no who to really
0: anchor what why mattered. Yeah. Who, who is the who? that is behind all of those layers and results that you were yes. getting. Yes, and I say in the book that I tried to basically
1: achieve my way out of the pain.
0: Oh, let, yeah, so, let's talk
1: about that. Yeah, and so, you know, it was as a child I was lonely, I was sad, I was afraid, I was, you know, traumatized in certain instances. And when I achieved, I got great, re- you know, reward and acknowledgment and a response. People liked me, you know, so it became a place where I knew I loved going to school, loved it because it was safe and I did well. So I was willing, you know, to keep showing up and keep doing that. And that felt like it was going to get rid of the pain. Becoming an adult with a successful career, with a good financial background, with a family was going to heal me from all the pain. But we know that's not how it happens. because no you know, wherever you go, there you are. And until you deal with you, until you do deal with the who, and you heal the reality of who you are, what you believe, what thoughts drive you, what patterns you've subscribed to, and it really gets to those core beliefs. What are the things you hold to be true that are driving the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, and the actions? You got to get behind that because that is what you're identifying with that is creating the who you are. So for me, it was really about trying to achieve away the pain and thinking and believing that if I just had a quote unquote stable life, I'd be free. But you weren't free. No, I was trapped even more. I was trapped by now, not only do I not know who I am and I've amassed this life, but I'm someone's wife, I'm someone's mother, I'm someone's leader in a company, and they all have an identity and expectation that they want to place on me as well. And so now, not only am I struggling with how I feel about me, but I'm struggling with how do I even engage and survive the expectations and the identity that other people are placing on me right now.
0: Yeah. Yes. I think this is so true. I think that as women, when we get really honest with ourselves, so many women are trying to, they feel the way they do. They feel unattached to themselves. They wonder what happened to who i used to be but but then those thoughts scare them as a person so then they go well i mean this is just life i have to chalk it up and be like this for the next 18 years while i raise my kids and i don't really get to count this is just part of adulthood and you know they are afraid to feel the shame around what happens if they allow themselves to be front and center again in their life yeah i think the shame is a big thing,
1: and I, I'm not going to get this quote right, but I've seen it where it says, I forgive myself for all the things I did when I didn't know any different, basically, right? And it's this idea that you made XYZ choices, you found yourself in certain situations, you are now in a particular set of circumstances based on those choices, but it's like, forgive yourself for not knowing what you didn't know when you made those choices, and then knowing that there's always a way through. So for me, a big driver was not only did I crave stability, but I do not like to suffer. I do not like suffering. And so many of my adult experiences felt like suffering, you know, like being exhausted from, my children are only 16 months apart. And within 24 months, I got married and had two children and changed my job assignment twice. So in two years, I was basically pregnant for most of it and nursing. (laughs) I was newly married and I was changing jobs. And there's, you know, really not much more you can change about a person than that, especially during the time. So I was in those circumstances and it felt very much like suffering was very painful, very exhausting very
0: confronting. I was crying all the time. Yeah, I want you to will you really just hone in on that? I want you to tell us cuz you kind of have this breakdown that leads to a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. But I really want you to describe how it really did what what you were feeling and doing and crying. I mean, we're afraid to talk about this stuff as women, but we all have this. Yeah, I, you know,
1: I felt like I couldn't win. So my experience was Okay, these things are hard, but I can figure it out, right? That's the main thing. Many women I talk to, our clients, everything. I just got to figure this out. I can figure this out. And then every time I would try or I think that I kind of figured something out, something else would happen. So, okay, I figured out how I'm going to deal with two 16-month-old, you know, two children 16 months apart, and I'm going to get my schedule right, and maybe I can work out. And no, I never get to the workout. The kids, that schedule never works out, and I'm back at square one again. Or I get a little bit of success, a little bit of freedom, a little bit of air to breathe, and then all of a sudden something else kind of comes in. So I felt like I just could never win and get out of the situation that was so difficult to even just wake up in the morning and try to move through just the sheer responsibilities. Just basic, get up, get yourself dressed, get the children dressed, eat, like when your life is reduced to basic, you know, responsibilities being hugely challenging, it does something to your psyche. I can't like literally go to the bathroom by myself, right? right. Getting a baby to be quiet and sit in the boppy and position them a certain way. And I'm not sleeping through the night because I'm waking up and I'm nursing throughout. You know, that's real physiological, and you know, psychological and physical impact. It threw me completely. It was terrible. It was mentally trying. If you said, if you asked me to do anything, I was going to cuss you out. Mm. So you became extremely irritable, on edge. Absolutely. I am doing more than enough. Don't ask me to do anything. Don't ask me to do anything else. Don't tell me to do anything else. I probably said I'm tired 10 times a day easily. Mm -hmm. It was, I was just done. I was raw.
0: So then once you kind of get real honest about, I can't, I can't keep going on like this. My life can't keep feeling this overwhelming, this challenging. What did you do? I want to hear this story. I want, I want you, I want your dad. I want you, I love the part where you talk about the question that your dad asked you and then how that led you to slowly transforming your life.
1: Yeah, I, so I was coping and the way I was coping is I just got numb, right? I just started to mentally rationalize everything and it would take me from, you know, we have this intention scale, right? So the lower levels are about suffering and struggling and
0: sacrificing. And then you get halfway through the scale and you're at settling. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to back you up. So tell us, I think this is a great point. Go ahead and tell us this intention scale that you have. Walk us through that. And then I think, then that would lead right to your story. Cause I want my people to hear this.
1: Sure. So first and foremost, we define intention differently. Most people think about and use intention as a thought or an objective as a synonym for that. So they say, I set my intention, my intention today. That's not what my intention was. Meaning that wasn't the goal or the outcome that I was hoping for. What we say is that's not your intention. And intention is not the outcome or the goal intention is the energy it's the way you up towards the goal so intention for for me for us and how we use it is very different than most people we usually say i set my intention this morning my intention in this conversation is that's not what i intended and what we're doing is using intention as a synonym for a goal or an outcome or an aim those are not intentions those are goals and outcomes and aims the way we use intention is as a measure of your energy, of the way you show up towards a goal, who you're being as it relates to a particular goal or outcome you want. So if your goal is to have a constructive conversation that ends in friendship, then that's the goal, not the intention. Your intention is, do you show up as a victim in that conversation or interaction? Are you showing up as dominant, right? Dominating as part of that. It's it's the measure of who you're actually showing up as to create a particular outcome or goal. And it's a way to check yourself, right? Because the results don't lie. If the the results show up a certain way, you can then look back and find there's probably some way that you showed up that created that as an outcome. And that's what we want to shift. And that's what we want to own is the intention relative to the measure of how we're showing up, not that we have any control over the outcome.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: Right? So the way we do that is through a scale. And the scale has two parts. There's your experience, what it feels like and lives as for you, the energy of it. And then there's the energetic. What energetic are you putting out to the world?
0: Okay. I want you to review that again. So there's two parts. And the first is?
1: The first part of your intention is your experience. It's the energy, how the energy lives for you, what your internal experience is. Okay. And then the second part is the energetic that you're actually putting out into the world. Got it. What's actually showing up and being put out there? So it starts at, from negative level seven, and the experiences go up. So the experience at the bottom is suffering. You're enduring great pain about something, right? You are um, indulging in emotion about it. it feel, you feel very victimized, right? And so that's how you might be showing up. You move up from suffering to struggling, where you're resisting right? You might be resisting some truth, you're resisting some requirement or act or way you might have to show up that is necessary for the goal you say you want. And then you can move up from struggling to sacrificing, where you are literally killing off the outcome you want for some noble cause or reason. Oh, the kids, you know, need me for this, right? You might have a book in you, but you never have time because you have this responsibility over here. And so you're sacrificing and then you go up to settling where you're kind of indifferent or resigned. So the experience is the suffering, struggling, sacrificing, settling, but on the flip side, those energetics are sabotaging, resenting, suppressing, avoiding, denying. Right. And when you're settling, when your experience is settling, what you're sending out to the world is you're indifferent or resigned. Then you move up because that's at zero. You go from negative seven up to zero. Then when you move up from settling, you go up to striving. And a lot of us are strivers. That's the doer's world, striving for a goal, hustling and grinding, all of that. And really, that's just wishing or wanting. That's what you're telling the universe. That's what you're telling the world. I really want something.
0: Well, and we've been told, right? Like put your head to the grindstone and, and work your ass off. And like, this is what you're supposed to do in order to achieve this goal. And so we actually take pride in that striving. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. But it's, it's a wishing and wanting energy because it's based in not having, right? Yes. Wanting something is not having it. Wanting yeah. It is the opposite of, not, of having something. And so that desperation, and again, none of these energies are bad. They all at Certain points and relative to a particular purpose have value, right? Suffering purifies. And right. And so it's not that it's bad energy, it's just a matter of when you identify with any of them relative to a particular goal that's not aligned, then you find yourself off to the left or right, and then it becomes a struggle or a sacrifice. So when you move above striving, you move into seeking, you get curious you open up to a greater power and support structure than your own. You start to put yourself out there in new ways. And then when you go above seeking, you're at surrendering. And when you surrender, you know what's yours to do and what will actually aid you, what's not yours to do. You can make a commitment to what's yours to do. Focus on that and then have a certain level of knowing, build a knowing that what goal you really envisioned is actually being created. And then the very top level of the scale from seeking is sovereignty. And that is when you embody whatever it is that you've envisioned and that's having at the end of the day.
0: So when you were in this state of being a young mother and just absolutely cannot, you, you know, you just, you did not, you hated life, really. I mean, where were you on that scale? I was definitely in suffering. Definitely.
1: And I would go between suffering and settling. So I always think about this negative, neutral, positive. I was just always trying to get myself out of the negative and just get to a place where I could breathe. And that was usually settling. But so there was still a nagging that would come at settling that was like, okay, you're fine. And this is where a lot of times we use, but my life is so good. You know, I'm so grateful. I don't want to seem ungrateful. And gratitude practices come in at settling often. There's ways to to do gratitude practices where it is truly a sovereign experience, but a lot of times our gratitude practices are a way for us to continue to settle for something less than what we know we're called for. Mm. And so that's where guilt comes in and the shame starts to kind of cloud the vision you have. So I would just go back and forth between suffering and settling. And when I was on the phone with my dad one morning, he said to me, who are you? And I was like, well, how do you want me to answer that? What do you mean? And I had no idea. I knew, I say in the book, I knew what I wanted. I knew why I wanted it. But I had no idea who I was. And so I went away and I just through meditation, through prayer, and for me through an Excel spreadsheet, (laughs) because I'm still an engineer, and I'm still a designer, uh, I started to just declare who I was. I am a woman who's connection to my highest power is the most important thing in my life. I am a woman who takes care of myself, mind, body, and spirit. I am a woman, a wife, who is passionate about my partnership with my husband. I'm a mother who nurtures and loves and cares for her children consistently. And my standards for myself and for the people that I was around. And the rules, I wrote rules that I had for how I wanted to be with people. My values, I define those things that i was fearful of. I, so i just started to literally in a spreadsheet write all of this out. I had never thought about myself in that specific of a way and it was costing me my life, literally my health, my happiness because i just had never been willing to sit down and think about myself in a specific way and to define that for myself. And so once i started to do that i got that space. Mhm. I was able to actually have some space because I could look at it and go, well, no wonder why things are like this. And it just didn't feel so personal or wrong. It just felt like natural. And that's one of the things intention helps you with is, well, if I am sacrificing, then of course I'm not going to have the result.
0: Yeah. I I wanted you to give an example. So like sacrificing would be the woman who really wants to, put her well-being at the forefront by adopting an exercise routine, Mm -hmm. but something always comes up with the kids or some kind of commitment. So she's like, well, I can't, I can't make it happen. Right.
1: Yep. So the challenge there is that she believes the story she has about why she doesn't work out. So she has a legitimate story. Like it's logical and legitimate that if you are, Wanting to work out that, and you have a life of children and schedules and all of that, that there's going to be competition for time. That's a logical situation. That's a story that could be very accurate. It's not the truth. It may be accurate, it may be factual, but it's not the truth, as in there's no other story or option available. In the book, I talk about finding my tennis, right? So I decided that tennis was my thing and I don't care who you were, you were not going to make me cancel my tennis. Yes. Because if I want the result called a regular workout routine, the only way to have a regular workout routine is to have a regular workout routine. We make it real complicated. Like it's five steps. No, you have every day in your schedule a time period for working out. And then you show up at that time and you do the workout. There's nothing in between. That's the only way to have it. Now, how you allow yourself to actually show up And take the time to do that is what we all struggle with. Right. You have to be for you to actually succeed at this goal that you say you want.
0: Because you even say in the book, like, you know, your husband would say, hey, you know, can you grab the kids? I had this meeting pop up. No, I can't. I have tennis. Or, you know, hey, can you? Nope, I can't. Sorry. I have tennis. That's right. Like, that's so hard for women to do. I'm a huge proponent of that. But this is where, as women, we have to take responsibility, don't you think?
1: Yes, because the truth is that's the way it's going to happen, right? And I go to results. I've spent 20 years in corporate America. I love results, whether it's financial results or personal results. And so you can't get out of the way for you to reach your goal is to prioritize this particular thing, be responsible for that, and execute it.
0: And actually execute it with boundaries. It's about creating boundaries, isn't it?
1: Well, it is. I'm, you know, I have an interesting take on boundaries.
0: Well, let's hear it. I I believe in intention over boundaries. Okay. Explain Uh, that to us.
1: So boundaries is kind and and boundaries are necessary. So don't hear me saying um, that they're not, they define what is out. They also define what's in, right? So when you have a boundary, it's not only just defining what can't get past it. It's also defining the thing that's already within it. So it's very important to be conscious and more offensive about boundaries than defensive about boundaries. And so an offensive approach to boundaries in my world is intention. It's how I show up. So do I show up in a way that allows people to own my time schedule? So people ask me for time and I'm always saying, oh, sure. Okay, I'll move this and most of the time, people will say, well, I have to set a boundary and tell people they can't. It's because you feel guilty or because you don't feel comfortable being firm or whatever might be required for you to actually just own what it is you want. I own a company. I'm the COO of another company. And I am a co-founder of a third company. I have two children, right? We know all of these things.
0: Two highly involved power. children. You have events and football games and track events. I
1: mean, But I also have three hours of free time in my schedule on a daily basis. I love it. Let's, yes.
0: Okay, talk to us about that. How did you create that?
1: I just created it. I look at my schedule and I just say, this is what I'm going to put in my time. And this is what's about. I know what's important to me. What's most important to me is my health and my well-being. Then what's important to me is what things I deem necessary for my children, right? And requests they have in my husband. And then my responsibilities relative to the businesses and the household and things like that. So the first things that go on my schedule are things for my health and well being.
0: You put yourself at the top of the list.
1: And then things get scheduled around, even when I was in corporate America, right? It's, it's easier as an entrepreneur. I really am the person that says how the time goes. And there's less people on a day-to-day basis I have to coordinate with. But even in corporate America, and it caused... Judgment. I was a target. I felt like I was a target often at times. It's counterculture, very much so. But I remember telling my VP, "I got tennis. I won't be there. Yeah, or I'm not going to attend this meeting because it's agenda-driven and I'm not on the agenda. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not. Just gonna, right. It was just matter of fact. This is what it is. We talked about this with my partners a week or so ago. Powerful communication. Say what's so for you. You know, express what's there. And then being willing to take what comes back. Not you know, necessarily like you've got to be responsible for it, but just know people can come back however they're going to come back at you for whatever it is you're expressing. You can handle it. Yes. And the more you know who you are, the better grounded you are to just see what, observe what people come back with and not be owned by it.
0: Right. I love that. And so would you say that you're, A big part of your journey out of the chaos and kind of depression and all of that was learning to put yourself at the top of your list as far as self-care and wellness. And I
1: wouldn't. I would say it was the willingness to take responsibility for what I said I wanted. That was just more powerful for me. For some people, it may be being the priority and caring for yourself. But, and and let me say this differently. I would say that's what it ultimately has been my willingness for wherever I am in my life to be the person that takes 100% responsibility for what I want and how I'm actually showing up as a match for that or not. Where it started is when you're in suffering, what we tell people, what it says in the book is start with self compassion and care. When you are suffering, it is compassion and care that will help you to heal. And elevate your intention level, right? If someone's suffering, it's hard to jump from there to personal responsibility, you know, extreme personal responsibility. But in hindsight, overall, it's absolutely 100%, almost extreme personal responsibility that has changed my life.
0: I love that. And I just think that we need to hear that it's okay to put our wellness and self-care as a priority in our lives. And so when we're talking about like being is the new doing and how do people elevate their intentions through, like it sounds like you have routines in your life. You have non-negotiables in your life. You have these regimens in your life. And so how do we elevate that so that we can create more space in our life Radaya? Yeah,
1: we do it in three Three parts. So the first is authenticity, telling your truth. And there's just a process of how, you know, the intention scale is a tool that helps you to immediately identify where are you on the scale and what's going on. And you tell the truth about that. Like, I'm really struggling, you know, relative to a particular circumstance or situation that might be happening right now. So the first thing is to tell the truth about where you really are, what's happening, and then talk really about what is it that you want and who have you been that's gotten you here? And who would you have to become for what you want? And that's how you build authenticity. The level of specificity I talked about in defining yourself, that's where authenticity comes from and the willingness to show up. Once you're clear on who you are authentically, then it's alignment. How do you bring your most valuable resources, your energy, your time, your money, right? Into alignment with what that is. So once I got clear that my Connection to my highest power, my personal health and well-being was number one, my relationships with my family. I knew what to schedule my time around. So I brought everything into alignment with what I had authentically defined for myself. Then when I went from alignment, once you're authentic and aligned, you then can move into authority. And that was that willingness to show up with commitment and with sovereignty, with who I authentically knew myself to be and how I had aligned my life. And the alignment is really critical because that's where the routines and the rituals and things come into play. You know, I have a routine and a ritual and I'm not rigorous about it at all. Because I'm so authentic, that's the base. I don't have to use all these life hacks or suggested tactics. I know what works for me because I know who I am and I know who I have to be. And so it opens up a very flow, you know, a flowing way of routine and regimen. I wake up in the morning and I sit still for five to 10 minutes. I have a protein shake, I sweat, and then I shower steam. So it's stillness, it's shake, it's sweat, and it's steam. And sometimes my stillness is in the shower, right? While I'm, so sometimes I meditate in the shower, as much of a creative as I am an engineer and designer. And I don't want to feel regimented. That's just part of me. But I know how important it is to just my well being. So I've created a way that's authentic, I can successfully and easily do.
0: And I think that rituals and routines are important because it's like they train the brain to keep us in a line with our intention. And so for me, I mean, I have my morning routine, it's the same almost every morning. I wake up. I go sit at my table, get my gratitude journal out. I do my 10 gratitudes. Then I do my 10 affirmations. Mm -hmm. Then I read some inspirational, you know, and I have my protein shake or my greens. And then I walk my dogs and then I run my dogs and then I'm ready to work. And so I have to be pretty conscientious of that because for me, if I'm so used to this routine that sets me up for success, that if I deter from it, For example, if I hop in my office and open emails first, Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you, I pay for that the rest of the day. Yes. So I have to be really aware of that.
1: Yeah, that's the commitment.
0: So on that scale, when you get up to
1: surrendering, right? So at some point, you became very clear that this is what works for you, right? You were first seeking, like, what's going to work for me? What can set me up for success? Let me try these different things out. And then you became clear through that experience to a level at which you were willing to commit. You were willing to show up in that way, right? Moment after moment after moment. And sometimes you didn't and you learned from that and then it built up enough, but you were willing to stick to it enough to where you know, this is the thing that works for me and I'm committed to it. And through that commitment, it builds, it fortifies you. Yes. You go from just believing that's the right thing to making a commitment to it, to now knowing in your spirit that this is for you.
0: Yeah. Like I feel like it's a part of my cellular makeup. I feel like it's a yeah. part of my brain processes. That's I feel annoying. like it is who I am, mm-hmm. at the deepest part of my being. And I love that, that I allowed myself to create that and gift that to myself, you know? I, yeah. I think there's so much to talk about with this topic, but also I want to go back and just state this Here you are, you run all of these businesses. You have two kids, what are their ages right now? 11 and 12. 11 and 12, super freaking busy sports schedule, super, they're athletic, they're involved. You and your husband have this company, And you said you create three hours a day for Radia Rhodes. I mean, I'm over here understanding this completely because I get it too. I definitely have that amount of time. But many people would be like, well, of course you do, Kim. You're an empty nester. You don't have children at home anymore.
1: Oh, yeah, okay.
0: So I love that there's this woman in the throes of parenthood who is stating to my audience that she somehow does all of this and still creates three hours. I tell people all the time, I just shoot it straight. If you don't have one damn hour in 24 hours to give yourself, you've got a problem. I just think you do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, really. I mean, it's a real problem. For me, it's a matter of knowing what my goals are and communicating those, all the stakeholders, right? So priorities. I'm very clear. Here are my goals. So therefore, here's who I have to be, right? Here's how I have to show up to actually create these goals. And then here's what shifts are going to have to be made. And I communicate those. So if this quarter I have a a professional or work or business goal that takes precedence, you know, that I'm prioritizing, then I'm going to say, okay, well, how is my time going to change if this is what I'm focusing on? How is my energy going to be? And how will I have to shift that? And then how money, like, am I going to have to invest additional money here or there? And then I communicate those to the people that might be impacted or the people that I need support from and I make those requests, it's the responsibility. It's really me getting clear about what I want, what I'm focused on, what's important to me, and then taking responsibility for that. It's just like, you know you're responsible for your child getting to and from school on a daily basis. Usually that might be an easy part of your routine. you drop off, you pick up. But you've got something different happening. Like this quarter, the last few months, I've been in a business program. And two, one to two days a week, all day long, I'm not at the house, I'm out in the city, all day. Well, I'm not just going to go and see how things fly. And then every week, try to figure out how to get my kids handled. I'm going to talk to my husband. I may talk to my neighbor and say, Hey, listen, I'm taking on this program. I've got these goals. Here's what the impact is. Can you support me here? And I'm going to set it up so that it's actually going to work. So I'm not struggling every moment trying to figure out how to meet the responsibilities of the things that are important to me.
0: So you're asking for what you need.
1: No different. You're asking for what you need. Absolutely. I'm asking for what I need. I'm declaring being and making a commitment to what I want. I'm showing up in alignment with that. I'm taking responsibility for what I can, you know, upfront and being proactive. I mean, it's all the things we know as professional people and edu- educated people to do. In any case, whether we were looking to get a degree or whether we were taking care of our families, it's, it's not different with the things you want. And it makes it a lot easier. So my time is freed up because I do that. Every 90 days, I get clear about what are my goals? What are the priorities? What is that going to require in terms of who I have to be and show up? How do I have to align my resources in support of that? And, there, and then it opens up so much. Now, let know? me tell
0: you this. When you started to need to shift the way you were operating in your life and state and ask for what you wanted. Did you get resistance from your husband?
1: Absolutely. First of all, most many of us, I know I'm an amazing resource. Like you want me on your team. I'm smart. I'm quick. You know, I can execute. I'm kind, you know, I'm supportive, like all of these things. So just imagine having a resource on your team that pretty much is completely available to you. Yeah. Right. That's fantastic. This is how wives are with husbands. All. Like everybody's like, I need a wife. Cause why? Right,
0: I need a work. I need a wife. Yes. Wives are awesome. We take
1: care of so much stuff. Yes. And so, and are completely available. So now that completely available, amazing resource is not as available. <laughs> right. And he is that?
0: impacted by this.
1: What? Absolutely. Absolutely resistant. And I tell you the turning point in that, because at first it feels like I can't deal with the resistance. And so I acquiesced to it. It became very painful. Then I started to tell a story like, he doesn't care about my goals. He doesn't really support me the way I need him to, it, you know, and it, all of that's a story. So then I finally expressed it. And he was like, uh, I don't think that at all. I want you to succeed. That's like the best thing ever. So I just hadn't communicated, well, this is what I'm trying to do. And so this is what I need. That would even give him the opportunity to be supportive. I was just changing it, you know, like just starting to just change. And then he was reacting to like, well, the resource was pulled away. What? That's what he's reacting to. So I had to then understand and know that this man really, he's out to support me always. So if that's not what I feel, like, let's look at what's really off. So part of it is, hey, I haven't even really declared in a responsible manner, like, hey, this is what I'm up to. This is what I need from you. I haven't made the request. And then there was still resistance after that because it's a real impact when someone on your team is not as available. Yeah, and so you've I had changed to say, the game on him. Yeah, exactly. And I just had to say, listen, I get that this is different, and I really know that you're not trying to shrink me, but my shrinking benefits you. Yes, right. That's just facts. That's not even like a blame or anything like that. Like you get a huge win from my shrinking. Let's see how we can create what you need another way that doesn't require the shrinking. Like that's not the only way you can get what you need is through yes. me shrinking. And we got to find another way. Cause that's not working for me anymore. So you just work through that. But it, again, personal responsibility, coming to that conversation from a place of sovereignty of knowing who I am and embodying my fullness as opposed to resentment, right? Which is a suffering. Like I'm a victim and I have no control and I have no power. And so now I'm pleading with you or I'm blaming you, or, you know, yes. you're not going to create a, a fruitful outcome if you're coming at it from an intention level of suffering.
0: Yes. I right? love
1: So that. having to really just rise up that scale and engage from that place will get
0: you an outcome you never even imagined. And now it's, it's the new normal. Like he had to get used to that, but this is like the new normal now. And what are the benefits of this Radia? What are the benefits to your husband that there is this version of you now operating in the world? It's so much more efficient, right? And there's, and because it's more efficient, there's more,
1: the results are bigger, you know, like the businesses have grown because why? Because we are not just taking what we can get because half of us are sh- is shrunken. And But now we're bringing our able to bring our full selves from a place of high intention, a place of happiness and freedom. You're always going to get a better result coming from that.
0: Yeah, his wife is not angry and resentful anymore. Right, She's and even though you know, a
1: lot of us out here are doing amazing things, feel still feeling angry and resentful. Imagine if you were feeling happy, joyful, excited, you know, having pleasure. Like if you're doing what you're doing in these states
0: of resentment and imagine what is available at these higher levels. That's Yeah, there's so much energy and creativeness and the ability to find multiple solutions to problems when that energy is freed up and transformed. It, It is amazing. I tell people this all of the time, but it really is about adding more pleasure in our lives to change everything from the amount of money we make to the kind of relationships we have to the social connections. Like when we can learn to add more pleasure in our life we become better parents all of that you know and i think yeah. it's really important to define that for women especially you know we like to wear that um that busy badge of honor i mean i do think there's something like that to like we're really good at being like well i did this and i did this and i did this and i did this and i'm in control of this and yeah. like we want to complain We want to complain that we don't get any help, but we're also like control freaks because we're like wearing this badge of honor. Like, Hey, this is my trophy because I'm this mom who, or wife or person who does all of this stuff, Mm -hmm. but you do it all. And you're still freaking resentful and you're still suffering. You're still complaining and you're still Yes, (laughs) Yeah,
1: that is your story.
0: Exactly. Doing it all.
1: Like, yep. Doing all this, doing all this, looking good too.
0: But- yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Oh my goodness. I have loved this conversation so much. It's so important. I think for people to, first of all, again, just understand that how we feel and what we endure and the suffering that sometimes comes at us mm-hmm. is so very real. And it's something that all of us feel at times. hmm But then also understanding there is a path out of that. If we're willing to really see who is the who behind all of this Mm -hmm. and then aligning that to match up with the intention so that we create these different outcomes for ourselves. I mean, that's the path that leads to freedom, you know.
1: That's it. That's it. I mean, I love hearing kind of like we started. I just love hearing when people play back what you've understood from this conversation about intention or how I might show up and you hit it perfectly. It really is about that clarity of who and the ownership of what you want and why you want it. And then matching that intention level
0: to whatever yeah. that is. And that's what creates that space that I feel from you in everything. It is a space where I just feel like it's this kind of self-checking that goes on. And because you give yourself that space, you therefore change the outcome of what you would normally get without that.
1: Feelings aren't facts and thoughts aren't truth. Oh, even though. They come up in every situation because we're human. So the the feeling, the thoughts and the feelings are going to come. The feelings aren't facts. The thoughts aren't truth. So I've always got room for something other than what my brain is shooting off and what my feelings are firing off. Doesn't mean I ignore them. They're great signals, right? They're brilliant observations, but they're not the answer to everything. And I have such a respect and honor for my feelings
0: and thoughts they just don't own me or define me. Right. Right. You know, oh I'm my goodness. <laughs> we could talk forever, ever, ever. So here's what I want to know, since this is about creating joy in our life and mm-hmm. experiencing more of all of that. What is one specific way right now that Radaya Rhodes is creating more joy in her life?
1: Presence. I am enjoying each moment. I'm conscious. I'm awake. I feel alive. And there's just amazing things happening. I'm in this conversation with you. You know, I am doing the normal routine of my life. I'm creating new things for my business. My children are ending a quarter in school. There's amazing, you know, championships. We're in the championship playoff realm of sports. I get so much joy out of watching them actually play sports because, first of all, they're amazing. Second of all, I believe that athletics, sports, games really create a structure for people to show up fully and great. So I enjoy seeing someone in their own zone and their greatness shining. And that's what I see with the children. So, so I'm just joyful about all the things because I'm present and I'm conscious and I feel really alive about You're it. You're
0: allowing yourself to feel that joy.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Like there's joy all around always. Yes. We just don't always allow it in. So exactly.
0: Funny. Exactly. So I want you to tell people. So I, first of all, being is the new doing is your book, Radaya. I've got it highlighted, marked up. It's my current inspirational read. I'm crying through it. I'm rooting for you through it. And then other times I'm going, damn, this girl has called me out on my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I also want to know a little bit more For people who want to find you or connect with you, know about anything, programs you have going on, please tell us a little bit about where we can connect with you.
1: Yeah, I I always tell people, you can send me an email, radiah at evokelife.com, R-A-D-I-A-H at E-V-O-K-L-I-F-E.com. That's the quickest way to connect with me. You can always go to the website, evokelife.com, and see what we have going on. We're on all social media platforms. We have a great Facebook group the evoke experience so i go pop in there live and we talk about intention and uh on instagram and all that good stuff so send me an email or pop up on the, the website or social
0: media and people can actually like your intention scale like you actually have programs throughout the year where you show them kind of the pathway to getting to who is the who behind the who and how to really line all of those pieces up don't you
1: yeah. So we have our program. We also, our podcast is The Power Paradigm. So that's our world is the power paradigm. It's where are you, your most powerful? What is the combination of elements in your life that actually have you stand at the highest intention and place of power? And then let's go for a goal from that place. And you, you learn the system, how to move up the scale in those shifts through that process of achieving a particular goal, and then you just do it over and over again. So, we run cohorts. We have a cohort starting up in January. We'll start enrollment for that this week. And it's just all about learning this process. We've, you know, be, again, being a designer and engineer, we've been able to dissect exactly what we went through and create a framework and a process around that. And then we get you in the game. For your goal and then you build the muscle of intention through that that's process.
0: what I love is that it is a system it is yes. a system that you see works over and over and over again so yes. that is fantastic well I know that personally you have ignited more of just part of me wants to just really learn more about this because so much of my life has been defined by how much can Kim Strobel produce and accomplish in a day's time. And yet I know there's this layer to me that is so much deeper than that. And I allow myself to go there some of the time, but I I want more of the beingness. And so I just thank you for kind of taking us on this journey and explaining this to us. Um, And I'm going to keep doing my work as well.
1: Yes, I think that's wonderful. Thank you for inviting me and for having me and for asking phenomenal questions that allow me to share this. I'm always grateful for that. So
0: thank you. You're, you're welcome. All right. Whoop, whoop. We did it. Thank you so much for joining me on the she finds joy podcast today. I'm super honored to share this space with you and I hope you learned something new and helpful. As always, this conversation will be continued in our free private Facebook group, you can join that group by going to kimstrobel.com forward slash joy to connect with other joy seekers just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time joining the show, know that I am here every Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can go to that directly if you go to kimstrobel.com forward slash podcast that will put you in apple podcast where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review if you scroll down just a little bit you will be able to leave that five-star review and just leave me a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show it really helps me if you let me know how the show has impacted you and how you are striving for more joy in your life you might be nominated to be the joyful woman of the week also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more women unleash their happiness one daring day at a time. So please take a screenshot on your phone, share it out on social media, tag your friends, tag me at Kim Strobel Joy on Instagram or in our Facebook group, KimStruble.com forward slash she finds joy. I'm quick to reply and I am super eager to send you some Facebook love. It makes my heart happy to be able to connect and surround myself with other women who are all ready to do this work. So thanks for being here and I'll be back next week. Until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you know that you are enough just as you are. Here's to finding more joy.